And so we talked to uh, a guy a couple of weeks ago that was actually a plebe of yours at uh, West Point and at, at one point was in charge of the laundry detail, which, you know, was the worst of the worst. And so he remembers, he wanted me to tell you, he remembers you fondly. Oh, my gosh. That's always scary when uh, people are me. Uh, I, I, I hope it was good things that he remembered. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, that was funny, though. I told him you were going to be on the show in a couple of weeks, and he said, yeah, I, I did his laundry. Hi there, and welcome in to a brand new week of Celebrity Salute. Dedicated to the men and women who serve our country in active duty, our veterans, and their families. We're here for you. God bless you. We love you. On each episode, we look for people and stories with some connection to these heroes. I'm Randy Miller. Alex Gorski is the executive chairman and CEO of Johnson & Johnson. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, spent six years in the U.S. Army, finishing his military career with the rank of captain. He's a member of the board of directors of IBM, Apple, and the Congressional Medal of Honor Foundation. Alex Gorski was given the Joseph Wharton Leadership Award and the Humanitarian of the Year Award, plus an honorary doctorate from Thomas Jefferson University. We are proud to have Captain Alex Gorski here on Celebrity Salute. Randy, thank you very much for having me. It's a real honor to be on the program with you today. You know, something else I didn't know until uh, I was kind of looking around is uh, uh, our show is based in Kansas City, and you were born, I think, in Kansas City, Kansas. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Couldn't be prouder than to be from Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, That's where I grew up. Uh, In fact, I'm a dot from Wyandotte County. (laughs) uh, There you go. Absolutely. How often do you get, get back to the dot? Well, I, I try to get back as often as I can. I still have quite a few family members that live in the area. You know, we moved from there when I was about 12 years old. But, uh, you know, I still get back, connect with a few of my grade school friends. Of course, I love Kansas City barbecue. Absolutely. And uh, I, I still root for the cheese. Yeah, well, you know, it's really uh, – we had uh, uh, President George W. Bush on, and, of course, a native Texan and very proud of his barbecue. And there was a little bit of back and forth there. I could not convince him that Kansas City barbecue is the best. Well, I, I think it's a pretty easy argument, actually. <laughs> yeah, so do I. Yeah, it's just that somebody who hasn't tasted it before just has no idea, you know. Exactly. Uh, Alex, thank you so much, first of all, for the time. This is great to talk to you. And, you know, Johnson & Johnson, obviously one of the uh, biggest and, and, and best brands in the world. And I want to talk to you a little bit first about your transition from the military uh, into the civilian and the corporate world. You know, as you know, so many veterans struggle with this. And uh, I just talked to a guy last week that is with the USO and bounced around a while, kind of lost himself in transition and then ended up serving the USO, which, which kind of brought him back full circle. What was your experience in transition and, and how did you end up at Johnson and Johnson? Well, thank you, Randy, again. And look, I, I just want to first start out by thanking all the listeners for frankly, everything they've done for their con- our country and for what I know they're going to continue to do going forward. And I can definitely relate uh, to their experiences. Uh, I remember very vividly, in fact, when I was getting out of the Army. Uh, and it actually started before that. Uh, and I, uh, I really enjoyed my time in the service. You know, after graduating from the Academy, I got a chance to serve in units like the 7th Infantry Division, uh, the Light, fi- light Fighters, and uh, we, we had a, uh, a, a spirit of camaraderie 
uh, among us and, and, frankly, a level of training and everything that we did uh, that was pretty remarkable. Yeah. And, um, and, so, and so when I was, came upon a point where I was trying to make a decision, do I stay in as a captain or do I transition out, it was a really difficult decision hmm. uh, because, like many of the listeners, uh, I knew the military. Uh, I'd had a good experience. Uh, I thought that this was an important transition point for me to decide, do I exit after, let's call it six years, uh, or should I stay in for a career? And, um, and so, it, you know, it was one that, you know, I put a lot of time and effort and thought into. I reached out to a lot of different people. And, um, and in my case, uh, you know, I had quite a few mentors, uh, both in my family as well as extended family that had made a similar transition, you know, and I relied on them for a lot of the coaching. Sure. And, uh, and, and look, Randy, what was most important for me was that if I was going to transition, that I was able to transition to a company and to an industry that had the same sense of mission that I felt in the Army. And, uh, you know, coming out of West Point, it was duty, honor, country. It was mission, the team, your people. And, um, and as I looked around, finding a company in an industry with that same kind of calling and passion was really important for me. That, that, those are tough and, to find, though, sometimes, right? I mean, those companies that represent those same kind of values, those can be hard to find. Oh, it, it, it's, it can be very intimidating. You know, when you're still in, and in fact, I remember thinking myself at the time, you know, was I going to be able to find a company that was, that stood for something for more than a dollar and that, you know, really cared about some of those other issues. And so when I first started doing my research, for example, on different companies, I saw Johnson & Johnson and the credo, you know, that we have with a very explicit commitment to patients and consumers, to employees, to communities, and ultimately to shareholders. That was something that was really important to me. Yeah. And I mean, a company also that's been around for 130 years. I mean, you know, it's not one of these. It's not a start, startup situation. And to join a company like that, that's already that had to be a little daunting, too. And and I would imagine continues to be daunting to be at the helm of a company like that, that uh, that's that's some pressure. Oh, without a doubt. Uh and, you know, however, I guess the way that I looked at it, uh, particularly as I was transitioning out of the Army, was the opportunity that a company like Johnson & Johnson had, uh, specifically as it related to training and development of new employees. And, you know, the advice that I got uh, from one of my mentors was, look, if you get into a great industry uh, with a strong future, and then you find the right company within that industry that's a key determinant for your future success. And you know, in this case, it was healthcare. It was something that I'd always been interested in innately. At one point, I had thought about going back to medical school and actually being a physician, uh, a market that would, you know, there was a lot of technology, a lot of uh, innovation and investment and research and development, something that touched people around the world uh, in a very personal way. And then, of course, if you looked at companies within that, a company like Johnson Johnson with a long-established track record, but that was also investing a lot for the future. Uh, and frankly, also, and this was really important to me as I transitioned out of the Army, where I could look around and there were a number of friends and colleagues I know that had made transitions like I had and had gone to work for Johnson & Johnson 
and been successful. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's a key, too, I think. And it's something that we hear a lot of times on this show is when you get into an industry or a company where you know some veterans that are serving, because it is. I mean, it's, it's a different culture with veterans. And to have that kind of support, we just talked to a guy, uh, and, and this is kind of uh, interesting, with Morgan Stanley. And Morgan Stanley's a great partner of uh, the National Defense. And so we talked to uh, a guy a couple of weeks ago that was actually a plebe of yours at uh, West Point and at, at one point was in charge of the laundry detail, which, you know, was the worst of the worst. And so he remembers, he wanted me to tell you, he remembers you fondly. Oh, my gosh. That's always scary when uh, people are with me. I hope it was good things that he remembered. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, that was funny, though. I told him you were going to be on the show in a couple of weeks, and he said, yeah, I, I did his laundry. So, yeah, but, so. you know, it, but it was just it, it was really important to me where I could look around and see people with similar backgrounds that had gone through similar experiences yeah. that had been able to make that transition. And, you know, what Johnson & Johnson, you know, provided – was that kind of a bridge, uh, recognizing that, look, it wasn't uh, specific skills in the medical industry that I was offering. Rather, they were life skills and leadership skills that I had learned in the military that they knew that they could build on with, you know, uh, very specific information uh, and capabilities over time, uh, you know, to help me be successful, to help the company be successful. And again, I was really fortunate to find that at J&J. You talk about your leadership rules, and I've seen uh, several different publications that have some of your leadership rules. And the number one example that I saw that, that I was fascinated by, it's something that I believe every day, keep learning. You say there's a difference between being educated and being intelligent. Uh, tell us about that a little bit. Well, absolutely. I, you know, I think that... Um, one of the key characteristics of successful leaders that I've seen in the military or in the civilian world is just a innate curiosity and eagerness to always learn. Right. And, you know, Rand, look, if I think back to when I graduated from the academy in 1982, the, the half-life of my um, you know, degree at that time could probably be 20 years. You know, not much was likely going to change in mechanical engineering directly over that period of time. If you compare that to today, uh, look, the half-life of some of these areas can be five years. Yeah. I mean, the rate, the pace, the scale of change that's taken place right. in you know, science, technology is just remarkable. And, and so I think what's most important, whether you're graduating from college or whether you're coming out of the military, is you know, what's your capacity to learn? And look, an important lesson that I learned in the military was this distinction between, you know, being educated and being intelligent. What do I mean by that? We, uh, I remember like it was yesterday walking in to my first sergeant's office when I was a new lieutenant as a platoon leader. And, uh, you know, as I walked in, he stood up, saluted smartly and said, now sit on down, sir. Let me tell you how we're going to do things around here. <laughs> and, you know, while he didn't have... The, the benefit of some of the education that I had at that time, he was incredibly smart, incredibly yeah. experienced. And in what was really important for me was how could I learn from him? And while, yes, I outranked him, uh, and yes, you know, I was in charge, there was no doubt I had a lot to learn. And, you know, I, I compare that to my current role, 
Or as you can imagine, in a company like Johnson & Johnson, there are many times when I walk into a room where there's you know, more people with more initials behind their names than you can imagine. Right. And at the end of the day, you still need to be able to you know, come to a alignment, a recommendation, to move forward on something. And, uh, and so that, those were important lessons for me. And you know, just because somebody perhaps hasn't had the opportunity to attend some of the same academic you know, uh, schools that you know, we have, don't for a minute underestimate their intellect. And also don't take for granted that just because someone has had a great academic background, that you still can't find a way to work with, lead, and, and or follow them, but, you know, add to the agenda, you know, by ultimately helping to get a team aligned. So you know, uh, I think yeah, those are really important lessons. You're exactly right. And, and you know, uh, and don't discount specialties, right? I'm a, I, I'm a horse guy. I've got uh, horses and uh, live in a ranch. And I, I don't care... You know, it's a lot like horses. They don't. They have no idea. They don't care what your degree is. They care what you can do and, and, and how you handle them. And so, in the end, it all comes down to results and, and the things that you know, which is so important. And I and it seems like um, I don't know if you, if Alex, if you're like this, but the older I get, the more curious I get about everything. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and look, I think that's a a real benefit of the service. And when you think about when you're when you're in any of the services. A key trait is you're constantly thrown into new situations right. where you have to learn and adapt. And so I think those innate skills and capabilities that you pick up in the military are directly transferable into the civilian world. And and you shouldn't. I would you know one of my recommendations is don't underestimate the benefit and the importance of being able to pick up on things very quickly, adapt, and then go ahead and. Um, uh, you know, apply them. And, and and I think people do that a lot in the military, and I think they can apply those exact same things in the civilian world as well. well and, you know, and just to prove that point, we're talking to Alex Gorski here on the National Defense, the CEO, chairman of the board at uh, Johnson & Johnson. And I don't know when the Veterans Leadership Council came about at Johnson & Johnson, but um, I, I got to believe that that was a lot of your support and, and your push in terms of getting that established. And it really strikes me, too, and I, wanna, I want you to kind of tell us about the council, if you will, but it really strikes me when you look at Johnson & Johnson and some of the key, I mean, some of the big key roles are held by veterans. Yeah. Well, I'm really proud of uh, our Veterans Leadership Council that we have here at J&J. And it's really been part of a broader initiative at J&J to make sure, frankly, that we are really tapping into, you know, all of the potential of our employees. And, uh, you know, through the years, whether it was through our Women's Leadership Initiative uh, or other groups that we have in the organizations, we found that, you know, by giving people a forum where they could get together, share information, uh, people from similar backgrounds, ideas, network, uh, help I focus on ideas to help us drive business in certain areas, uh, that there was a tremendous benefit to that. And our Veterans Leadership Council is, you know, one of our strongest representatives. It's over 1,500 members strong. Wow. Uh, we have 27 different groups, uh, you know, around the country. And, uh, and these are people who are really committed uh, to helping veterans, uh, to giving back, and frankly, to you know finding ways to put some of the skills that they learned during their military experience to work right here at Johnson and Johnson. 
and um, and and we get a tremendous benefit. I mean, whether it's recruiting, whether it's mentoring, uh, you know, developing people as they come into the organization. You know, our VLCs are really a critical component. It also provides people a great leadership opportunity outside their normal role and responsibility uh, within the organization. And if you look at to your earlier point, if you look at the broader impact, uh, if you look across Johnson & Johnson, uh, we have a number of people in critical roles, people like Maureen Allison, who uh, was one of the first women graduates of West Point, served in the Army and the military police, now runs cybersecurity for Johnson & Johnson, wow. one of the largest organizations, and, and by the way, is influential across cybersecurity uh, in our country. You look at a person like Courtney Billington, another West Point graduate uh, who now runs our neuroscience area for North America in our pharmaceutical group. You know, prior to that, ran our pharmaceutical supply chain, one of the largest, most complex, you know, in the industry. Again, a West Point graduate. Uh, Kathy Winmer, uh, again, one of the early women graduates of West Point, served her country as well as uh, did her husband. And now she runs our McNeil Consumer Products, the OTC division of J&J, which oh, is yeah. makes Tylenol. You know, so across J&J, veterans, people who have served are having a major impact for our company and in healthcare. Yeah, and you know, that's the thing that I love about what you guys are doing too, uh, Alex, because a lot of companies, uh, let's say in the in the past at least 10 years, it's become very vogue to have a veterans committee or a veterans council or a veteran, but... but uh, a lot of it is in name only, and a lot of it is in uh, lesser positions than they should be, in my opinion. And Johnson & Johnson has, has been leading in this area for as long as I can remember in terms of not only the Veterans Leadership Council and, and kind of uh, creating that culture at Johnson & Johnson, but also, like you said, I mean, these are key positions that, uh, that are, uh, are being filled by veterans and and credit to you and thank you for for doing that. Well, Randy, look, we're fortunate, and I agree. I think a, a lot of questions that veterans ask will say, "Don't only tell me where you stand, but tell me where people sit." <laughs> and I think you know, in our organization, I'm really proud of the fact that we have a strong re- track record of standing for veterans. But when you look across the organization, the impact that people are having. You know who uh, who come from a very similar background as to many of the listeners on your program today yep. are uh, are making a huge difference for us. And frankly, we couldn't be doing what we're doing for patients and consumers around the world or as a business without them. So, what would you recommend then for somebody sitting there right now and listening to the show, saying, "You know what? I, I'm a veteran. I've got skills. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure how those will transfer, but where do I go to work for Johnson and Johnson?" Well. First of all, look, we're always looking for really talented people. And uh, I would say it starts with, look, learn as much about the company as you can. There's a lot of information out there. uh, And I'd say it always starts with our credo. Uh, We think it's critical that, you know, people understand our culture uh, and our value system. Uh, Learn about all the different segments. You know, most people know Johnson & Johnson, for example, things like baby shampoo. Sure. You know, but in fact, we're one of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies, one of the world's largest medical device companies. If you put all that together, we're the world's largest healthcare company. And uh, and as a result, there's a lot of different opportunities across sales, marketing, research and development, information technology, supply chain, but also in different geographies around the world. 
and um, and so become a student of, of the company. Uh, number two, network uh, through our VLC. And by the way, if you go to JNJ.com, you can find a lot of the easy connections in, into JNJ. Get connected. Uh, the VLC that I mentioned earlier, those people are always on the hunt for new talent uh, and looking for ways to help, you know, marshal people through the process, uh, through the recruiting, through development, uh, through those types of things. So I would definitely encourage that. And, and last but not least, Randy, I would say, look, don't underestimate yourself. Hmm. I think frequently people in the military can, uh, can almost be too humble. Yep. And uh, with, you know, again, all the skills and the background they have, particularly around leadership. And, uh, you know, now in addition to learning about the company, make sure that, you know, you understand what you have to learn, but don't sell yourself short either based upon the life experiences that you have. Underestimate uh, yourself. You're right. That's uh, that's sometimes uh, what holds veterans back, you know, in terms of, of getting uh, their potential uh, fulfilled in a company like Johnson and Johnson, and Alex, you, you guys have also had some great ad campaigns and spokespeople over the years, including uh, Jennifer Aniston and Nicole Kidman. Now, I know if if I was CEO of the company, I would want to be there for those commercial shoots to make sure they go exactly as planned. Well, look, we're we're fortunate. You're right. Through the years, we've had a lot of great campaigns, uh, in, including them. Uh, but, you know, I tend to leave those decisions to the experts. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm far from being an expert in those areas. But, uh, you know, you're, you're right. It, it, it's, it's amazing just the number of different products. And we estimate, yeah. Randy, that we touch about a billion people every day with our products and our services. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and you know, if, if someone out there is wearing a contact lens, there's a really good chance that it's one of ours. If if any of the listeners have ever had a stitch, a suture, hmm. there's a really good chance that we're actually part of them. And you know, that's one of the most rewarding parts of my job and my role is just knowing that, you know, in addition to being a great business and a great industry, that you're fundamentally touching people's lives every day. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a pretty special place to be. Yeah, you know, when I was doing the research uh, for uh, this interview and for Johnson & Johnson in particular, I, I was bowled over. I mean, you know, you talk about the VA, you know, the, and, and a lot of people don't know about the VA and, and the kind of effects and science that the VA has come up with that we use every day. But Johnson & Johnson, I mean, just in terms of Ebola, I mean, just so many different diseases that you are uh, that you're just about to squash. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, well, the, one of the cool things, Randy, is that you know we were there at the very beginning with, frankly, the first aid kits. Uh, wow. The first company to really put those things together, the old brown box bandages that we would uh, carry, uh, you know, on our TA-50, as we called it. Right. Uh, you know, that, that you would always be there to apply. Uh, so you know, J&J has been there, you know, with service members really throughout history, uh, you know, trying to make a difference. But when you look at all the different areas that we're involved in, by far one of the neatest parts of my job is the different technologies. I mean, I can be in one room one day talking about the next-generation CAR T-cell therapy approach for multiple myeloma, which, by the way, uh, I think there's a very good chance that in the coming years we're going to move much closer to a cure. Wow. And, and that's a cure than we could ever have imagined even only a few years ago. And you know, in some cases today, whether it's HIV, 
um, you know, other types of infectious disease, hepatitis C, we've taken what once were death sentences and we've turned them into chronic diseases. Wow. wow. Uh, and and, and in, that, in other areas, you know, we're, we're performing surgeries, you know, just a couple of years ago, uh, you know, due to too many miles uh, of running and, uh, you know, too heavy of a ruck on my back, I had to get my hip replaced. And uh, after surgery, two hours after surgery, you know, I was able to get up and around with a walker, was discharged within 24 hours. Wow. And uh, within a couple of days, was able to walk a mile with a cane. Oh, man. Uh, oh, man. Due to, you know, great minimally invasive surgery. That's... And uh, so just being able to, you know, ha- kind of have an eye to the future, to what's happening in science. And you're right, you know, we're working on things like an Ebola uh, vaccine as we speak. We're working on a and an HIV vaccine. I was just in South Africa uh, about two weeks ago and had a chance to visit the clinical trial sites where we're doing a lot of work in those areas. Uh, I think we're on the cusp of some really amazing breakthroughs. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to be able to participate in uh, some of those things at a company like Johnson & Johnson. That's amazing. I mean, that, you know, it's not the first thing you think of when you think of Johnson & Johnson. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would just urge anybody who's listening, if you know, check out Johnson & Johnson's website. Uh, just some great stuff, and it's just mind-blowing that you know, everything that you guys are into. How did it feel to be standing at the White House announcing the news of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine? What was that feeling like for you? Just immense pride, uh, immense pride in the fact that uh, you know more than 13 months ago, only 13 months ago, our scientists, our our physicians, our uh, researchers, our engineers um, made the commitment uh, to take a uh, a very different kind of approach uh, on a vaccine to take on uh, the spike you know the coronavirus and to uh, to see 13 months later uh, that we are in a position where not only the FDA but the CDC the World Health Organization had all uh, unanimously recommended you know our vaccine for approval as safe and effective and you know having a single dosing and you know being fairly straightforward in terms of logistics and and the impact uh that that will potentially have on certainly people here in the united states but around the world um it was just a very proud moment yeah it's it's un, you know you, you hear that word unprecedented a lot these days and uh, obviously this situation with Johnson and Johnson coming at 19 months worth of work uh, is unprecedented i mean in a in a time when uh, and I just want to see if we can kind of dig into the nuts and bolts of this, Alex, because, you know, in a time when people aren't even supposed to be together, you've had these scientists and these employees that have had to work uh, remotely. They've had to work at a speed that nobody else has ever seen. How how physically was that, was that accomplished? Yeah, well, you know, you're absolutely right, Randy. And it's one thing that we try to remind everybody of is that the hundred, approximately 135,000 employees we have around the world, uh, over a third of them, almost 50,000 have been coming to work every day. And of course, many of those people are in the factories. And, and these are people who are working on products. And these could be pharmaceutical products, medical devices, and even consumer options uh, that were helping people who were impacted by COVID in the hospitals uh, and being treated by the healthcare systems. But in addition to that, 
you know, our researchers, uh, like everybody else, were collaborating real time. They were Zooming. Uh, they, were, they were connecting via new types of technology. Uh, they were partnering not only internal between themselves, but externally with, uh, you know, some of the great scientists at Beth Deaconess, for example, up in Boston, who were involved in some of the very uh, original discovery research with our vaccine. They were talking with regulators. Literally every Saturday morning, there was a standing call between some of our top researchers and other researchers from different pharmaceutical companies involved uh, in vaccine development to be sharing and collaborating information. So we've, we've never seen this kind of partnering and collaboration across the industry, uh, with the government, with regulators, let alone between our own scientists. And, um, and again, I couldn't be more proud of the way that they were able to implement and execute on that even during this pandemic period. Yeah. And, you know, as a, as a West Point grad and a captain in the U.S. Army, you've always been very mission oriented. How close uh, to that kind of thinking was this for you, Alex? I mean, talk about a mission of a lifetime, right? Well, look, Randy, this this is a war. This is a war against the virus. Right. And uh, in, during wartime, you've got to take extraordinary measures. It would be irresponsible for us just to continue on in, in a status quo uh, process. And so whether it's the, you know, the way that our teams were trying to actually you know, uh, ramp up the capacity and the manufacturing, again, never compromising safety, never compromising quality, but at the same time trying to understand each and every minute step in the process and where we may be able to do things in parallel or to accelerate. Um, creating these partnerships. I mean, frequently in the past, these are people that we may have been competing against. Right. We're now we're partnering real time and and complementing each other. Again, building on you know some of their extensive experience in certain areas, and and again being able to share those kind of capabilities that would ordinarily not happen. And then of course the way that we are engaging with regulators, the, the way that we're engaging with other healthcare authorities around the world. Under usual uh, circumstances, these would be taking place in a much more hub and spoke type manner where now, again, I think you're seeing a lot more transparency. You're seeing just a lot more openness and sharing of information. Hopefully all those things are going to result in shots getting in arms faster. And, you know, this is nothing new for Johnson & Johnson. I mean, you guys have been around 135 years, and you also helped during the Spanish flu of, I think, 1919, and uh, you were making masks in, uh, at that time, right? Yeah, it is part of our DNA. I mean, from the very beginning, uh, we've we've worked with the U.S. government. we worked with governments around the world. Like you said, the Spanish flu, we made masks. Uh, we made some of the first first aid kits that everybody re- uh, remembers that we're using World War One, World War Two. Uh, and uh, there were even employees, including our CEO, who worked for the government uh, in World War II to help share some of the logistics and supply chain expertise uh, that, uh, that he had learned through the years with the government war effort at that time. Uh, and, um, and so th- th- this is part of who we are, and, uh, and particularly at this unique moment uh, for the world where you know, arguably we've never been in this kind of a situation. It was critical for us to step up in every way possible. Hey, so what is your overall takeaway from this pandemic, 
Alex. Uh, and the reason I ask that is because a lot of people, it's easy to get down on things. It's easy to say uh, this is something that, you know, obviously is, is tough to get through. And it is, you know, for a lot of people. But in the same respect, in terms of what you guys have done and what others have done, I'm very hopeful because just like this, the 19 months to create a one dose vaccine for the virus, that's never been done, but it shows you what can be done, right? Well, look, Randy, I think it's first of all important to acknowledge the tremendous loss of life and the impact on people around the world. Like, unfortunately, I'm sure many of the people on this radio or listening to the radio program to those podcasts, you know, have lost a family member or a loved one uh, or their life has been interrupted because their children couldn't go to school uh, or uh, they couldn't work as usual. You know, we've we've fallen out of the habit. We've changed our habits uh, necessarily. So of, you know, being together as families, going out to, you know, eat together, socialize. And, you know, the the impact on that, you know, is uh, is frankly hard to gauge, but we know that it's been significant. Now, that being said, I think that as with many major challenges throughout history, I think this will also be a catalyst to new breakthroughs that hopefully are going to lead us to, you know, many positive outcomes on the other side. And I, for one, think areas such as, you know, the uh, the rapid expansion of biotechnology and and healthcare, and you know, as you mentioned. What we've been able to do in five or seven months, can we apply some of the same technology, these same capabilities, uh, that same kind of acceleration to diseases like cancer, to diseases right. like Alzheimer's disease in other areas, whether it's RNA, whether it's DNA, whether it's vector approaches, uh, and, and really prevent some of these things from happening in the first place? I think that's possible. What about just the way that we operate as organizations? Right. Uh, you know, all of us are Zooming. We're connecting in new ways. I think that offer, while I don't think it will ever replace completely the face-to-face interaction, I think it can certainly open up new ways of us to be able to work together. Uh, and so, look, I think that there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, to be hopeful. Uh, but, you know, clearly – We've got to start with acknowledging the toll that's been taken, doing everything we can to bring this virus to an end, and then to build back in an even better and stronger way. Hey, listen, Alex, thank you so much. Really appreciate the time and uh, just uh, wish the best for all of your employees and for you and your family. Well, thank you so much. Stay healthy, stay strong. Really enjoyed speaking today. You've been listening to Celebrity Salute. Celebrity Salute is produced by Brainstorm Media and distributed by National Defense Network with host Randy Miller and executive produced by Nate Heron. Be sure to visit us at nationaldefensenetwork.com. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also say, Alexa, play the National Defense Network podcast.